Hey, business building warrior, it's Jim. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I've been doing a series of discussions. This is the third one now where I tackle leadership topics. We live in an era of virtual leadership that's never been explored before. What I mean is we have businesses, many of us run, where we don't see or meet with face-to-face with the people that we work with every day. We don't have a building and a parking lot that we show up to. It's all done virtually. And some of these relationships that develop over weeks, months, and years are with people that we rarely actually even see face-to-face. And that creates some interesting dynamics the very idea of an e-commerce business, the beautiful side of it is, and I've been discussing as I've brought this up on a couple other recent episodes, the beauty of it is you can have your business in your pocket. And there's a lot of advantages and we enjoy those advantages. And many of us are in that reality where we can work from home, work when we want to, flexible travel, great businesses online. Well, what are the challenges of that model? Why do I call us business building warriors? It sounds like We've got it all made, right? Well, to the new person coming into our community, we certainly don't want to create the impression that this is easy or that if you just follow the process, it's guaranteed it's going to work every time for everyone. No, there's work involved, blood, sweat, and tears. Many leadership qualities will need to emerge from you if you want to build something that's truly sustainable and lasts the test of time and the challenges that you're going to run into, and especially with a focus on the topic of virtual leadership. I've talked about the importance of team. We talked about a little bit in the past on on this series of communication, some of the rules of communication. I don't know if you remember that episode I talked about, you never use email to send bad news or something that could cause emotion on the other end. You want to do that over a phone call or if a Zoom, if possible, for example. You never call people out publicly or put them on defense. That goes for everybody. There's never a need to do that. On social media, for example, you'll see people just go after each other hard. I don't know why they do that. It's just you basically when you go after someone hard on social media and you call them out, basically what you're doing is shouting. As loud as you think you're shouting at another person, what you're really shouting to everyone who reads that is, I'm immature and I don't deal with conflict in a rational way. <laughs> That's what you're really yelling because the obvious question is, hey, have you re- reached out to that person? Have you had a conversation? Are you sure you got your facts right? Are you sure you want to burn a bridge in front of thousands of people? That seems kind of silly. That's how most mature adults will read what you do when you call someone out like that. So it's just those little rules of, of leadership and how you conduct yourself on social media, these things matter. Even though we're talking about building an Amazon business, running an e-commerce business, the way you conduct yourself, the relationship that you establish with those around you, the reputation that you have as a result of how you conduct yourself, those things matter. So I want to talk a little bit today, diving into the topic of why I call us business building warriors, why that matters, why I think it should matter to you, and hopefully provide you with some specific details, some challenges, some things. I'm certainly not perfect in all of these arenas. But again, I've been dealing with virtual leadership challenges for 20 years. When my team started growing, I've been in e-commerce that long. It's the only income my family has known for coming up on 20 years is the e-commerce journey that we've been on. 
And this team, if you weren't aware, if you're new around here to this podcast, the team is about 100 of us at this point that serve our Amazon and e-commerce seller community. When I say 100 of us, there's only a few that are full-time, but that's everyone from the people who work at the warehouse, which is near where I am here in central Indiana in the United States. I've got a team of seven to nine people, depending on how you count it, that help run that office. And we've got a prep center with several clients. We're one of hundreds of prep centers that's listed in the prepcenternetwork.com list. So we run our own Amazon business through there. And we run the prep center for several other clients as well in the area and outside. And then we've got the educational arena, that that business model. You know, this podcast is part of that Facebook group with about 70,000 members. We've got the most established Amazon seller training course in the industry used at University of Missouri, for example, used in high school classrooms and used by a whole bunch of students, maybe even you. Are you a proven Amazon course student? That's you. You're in our educational community. We're serving you. So that's the education side of the business that has content creators, moderators in the Facebook group, customer support team, right? And of these hundred people, once you add it all up, like I said, only a few of them work full time, but they're all contributing in a significant way towards serving this bigger community. And my leadership is part of what's necessary to make the whole thing operate, whether I like it or not. If I neglect the parts of the business that need attention, things slow down over time and things fall apart. And when I make missteps or mistakes or misinterpret the signs that I'm seeing, then that can have very real impacts on this community and the team. And that goes for everyone else on the team too. That goes for your business. Your business is reliant on you properly interpreting what you're seeing, making good decisions with wisdom. And that's not easy. That's why I call us business building warriors. That's why I say building a business is a leadership journey. You cannot do it alone. We've established that many, many times in the past. That means you're going to have to have a team. That means you're going to have to spend some time leading your team in your business. Now, different people in your organization, and we certainly hold that true here, they're far more proficient and qualified than I am in several aspects of what we do around here. So they lead that segment of what they do, and they do a better job of it than I ever could. But ultimately, when there's hard decisions that need to be made, it comes down to the leader's desk. And if there's no clear answer, you've got to be the one to make that decision. Uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, I like the business building warrior analogy again for this reason. If, if you think of what you're doing, building a business is fighting back against forces that want you to fail. I'm not talking about your customers or your friends or your family. The, the forces that are fighting against you are things like entropy. You know, your momentum slows if you're not the one shoveling coal into the fire to keep things running things slow down. Someone has to be paying attention to keeping the wheels turning. Every object in motion will eventually grind to a halt if not attended. And this, this, the, the forces of gravity are working against you. It's kind of like every airplane that's ever crashed. Well, there was only one thing that caused it. It was gravity, right? Your business will eventually fail unless 
They're constantly working hard to keep it thriving and growing and succeeding. And the big challenges you'll face as a leader are typically, let me say it this way to say it slightly differently. There's a lot of challenges your team can help you face. So as you start to lead a larger and larger team and your business grows, you'll find out that the challenges that you're facing are the ones that are too big for anyone else's desk. When you first start, you're fighting all the battles. You're facing all the challenges. Some are hard, some are easy. But over time, you offload some of the repetitive tasks, some of those things that someone else can very easily do. And not that they aren't important, but it's fairly easy to get them right. But you're left with the ones that are the big decisions. And the battlefield analogy, to go back to that, business building warrior, we're fighting. What are we fighting? We're not fighting our customers. We're not fighting our friends. We're fighting those forces that are trying to sink our business. Those big decisions that must be made. Where are we going to put this pile of money? What kind of inventory are we going to invest in? Do we need more training right now or do we need to be taking more massive action right now? You're making a lot of significant decisions at any given time. And failing to decide is a decision. That's saying, okay, well, I think I'm going to wait on this one. So you're making a whole bunch of decisions. But on the battlefield, have you ever noticed, like you watch the movies and you see the two armies going head to head, it seems like it always ends up the greatest foe, the greatest enemy is fighting the greatest hero. Like how do they always find each other on the battlefield? Have you ever thought about that? They always end up facing each other. And all the little guys are over here fighting and then the two big important guys, the most powerful, you know, they find themselves face to face eventually. And that's what it will feel like for you at times is the only things that I have, you know, on my plate right now are the big difficult decisions that really direct my business in one direction or another. And do the things that are really, you know, should I be putting all my effort and attention in this direction or should I be going over here? And you're the only one that can ultimately make those really big, hard decisions. So for business building warriors, making really hard decisions, facing down tough obstacles, the enemies that want us to fail not that it's necessarily a person, you know, although we do read in the Bible, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of the air, right? There are, as a Christian, I believe there are forces out there, spiritual forces that would love to see us fail. They're rooting for our destruction and failure. They want us to make really stupid decisions, bad choices, and ultimately fail. Those are out there. But how do you make the good decisions, as a business building warrior in e-commerce with a virtual team, how do you stay sharp? How do you stay focused? It comes back to some of the things, and this is my theory now. This is how I've done it for 20 years. And I think that earns me a seat at the table. The longest running coaching company in all of e-commerce, 18 years, 7,000 plus students served, great track record of creating successful students Again, penetrating into the college markets and high schools. And, you know, we're seeing people using our content and curriculum all over the world, multiple languages of coaches. Am I saying that to brag on, hey, look what we achieved? No, because it's only as good as our next month. It's only as stable as we continue to serve well. But it does earn me a seat at the table to be able to discuss how do you lead with effectiveness when your team is virtual and spread out? How do you make great decisions? We don't have a boardroom we can all gather around and circle up and read each other's body language and, hey, what's the game plan this week, gang? We don't really do those kind of things. Maybe we should more. But I think what it comes down to, and the reason we've done that so well with this virtual community, is we understand the importance of relationships, 
that really is the key. A book that keeps popping up around here, I've heard a few people mention it in the past few days. I haven't read it yet. I know the premise. I agree with the premise of the book. I do plan to read it. And I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but you can easily find it. It's Who Not How is the title of it. Who Not How. Meaning you find people that can help you solve the challenges that you're facing. You talk to other people who've already been there and done that when you're making tough decisions. Just because you're working from home and your computer seems to be your partner in this business entity, it's not. Computer's just a tool. The people that you connect with in this community are the invaluable resource. That's why when we talk about our coaching program, quite often when I'm talking to someone who's considering jumping in as one of our coaching students, And they want to know like, okay, who's my coach going to be? And what are they going to do? And what kind of information am I going to learn? And those are all great questions. But I want to make sure and emphasize to them that the network of people that you're about to be exposed to is capable of addressing with professional accuracy and confidence any scenario you're going to run into. It's not just about getting a coach and getting the sessions that you're going to have with that coach. Those are going to be awesome. But you've got to keep in mind the resource that you've got now. You've got firsthand access to, anytime you need it, people of competence and experience who've been there, done that, and faced any challenge you're going to face. And they can help you with that. So you can start to say, okay, who can help me make this decision? Instead of thinking, how can I study and learn and make myself strong enough to make a good decision You start saying things like, who should I involve in this decision to make sure that I make a good decision? Do you see the difference there? And that becomes vital. Again, remember the premise of this leadership series. I'll remind you again, the reason I'm recording these. This is an important lesson. This could save or earn you a whole lot of money if I make my point well. So I'm a little nervous that I'm not making my point well. So let me revisit the premise again. You are running a business virtually. Your business is in your pocket. That's what e-commerce is. That's the beauty of it. That's the benefit of it. But it's also very isolating. So what risks come with that isolation? One of the risks that comes with that isolation is you begin thinking you're the one that has to solve the problems. I've got to go learn some new skills so I can tackle this new challenge so I don't make a bad decision. That's not the way you should think about it. It's who should I involve in my life to ensure that I'm equipped to make the right decisions and move forward at the right pace. It's always a who. It's not a how. It's a who. So hopefully that helps clarify for you the point that I'm trying to make about your business building warrior, but that doesn't mean you have to stand on the battlefield alone and face the biggest enemies. It's not just you versus that big foe, you versus that decision involve other people. That's the value of this community. And as a reminder, you can get into our Facebook group and probably find people who live near you. We've got a feature built into our Facebook group. Hey, who lives near me? Just today, I was at lunch with eight or nine other people from this area who had driven in, having lunch together, hanging out in the central south side of Indianapolis and just spending a little bit of time. We talked business, sure. We had a couple specific business questions that popped up. We talked about prep centers We talked about a little sourcing. We had a brand new guy hanging out with us. It was great. It was a good time just getting to know the community a little bit better. And I benefit from that every bit as much as anyone else that's there. 
You need people in your community that you can rely on, people that understand what you're going through. And there's a great two-word question that I want to keep reminding this community about. In the past, I've introduced really good questions that you should be asking when you encounter other business building warriors or when you're hanging out with other people that get it. And those those two questions are awesome. And I'll remind you what they were again, if you've never heard them. They're from John Maxwell. But there's a question, another two-word question that I like even better that I think there's probably a whole book in this. So I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but I think someone could write this book and maybe I will. I don't need any more books that I need to write, but I think this is a good one. So what are the questions that I've used for years? It's the two questions from John Maxwell. What are you working on and how can I help? You may have heard those questions before at our events. That's what I encourage people to talk about when they get together with other business owners. Most people in your life, if you ask them those questions, they don't really make a whole lot of sense necessarily, although I think a lot more people should be working on something that they're passionate about and trying to serve others well. And a business certainly fits the bill on both counts. But to the people who are trying to build a business that you encounter in your life, you need to be getting together intentionally asking questions like, hey, what are you working on and how can I help frequently? But the question I like even better is how's business? How's business? Simple two-letter question. I've had some very meaningful conversation with mentors of mine in some of the most difficult times of my life. I love hearing somebody bring me back focused on that. Now, there's certainly many other challenges you could be facing in your life. How's your walk spiritually with the Lord? How's your relationship with your spouse? How's your relationship with your kids? These things are of extreme importance, obviously. And I hope, hopefully you have people in your life that you can have those kind of conversations with. But I think as business building warriors, we neglect this simple two-word question at our own expense. And it's how's business? You should be asking people that question every week. And you should have people in your life that you've asked that they would ask you that question. How's business going? Just talk. Talk about your business. Fill me in. What's working? What isn't working? How can we work through this together? And again, this is extremely important because we tend to isolate ourselves in e-commerce. It attracts a certain personality type who's capable of spending significant amounts of time alone quite often. And we tend to drift comfortably into being alone quite often. So this is me challenging you into having more conversations. And this isn't just random advice off the top of my head. Some of the greatest business advice you'll ever receive. I'm talking about, you you know how big a fan I am of Hebrew business strategies that people group. Go back and listen to episode zero and I can fill you in more on this topic if you haven't. To go to this podcast silentgym.com, go to episode zero. I fill you in on why I'm so enamored with Hebrew, biblical, traditional wisdom when it comes to business and money. Regardless of your worldview, you're crazy to ignore it because it just works. And it's been proven over and over and over again. The data is real. Trust the science on this one. Okay. If you go back and actually study the, the data on this, you're crazy to ignore these principles. One of them is using your voice using your mouth is of vital importance for success in all areas of life. That's why you may have heard me say before, traditionally, 
of someone who studied Hebrew principles, biblical principles, and they understand them with depth, if they were given the choice between going blind or going deaf, they would choose going blind. Most of us would say, I'd rather be deaf than blind. That would be the wrong answer because going deaf makes verbal communication extremely difficult. It makes communication with others very difficult. Going blind, you, you can still hear, you can still speak, you can still develop relationships. You can close your eyes and have the exact same relationships that you have with everyone in your life. However, if you close your ears, your relationships begin to change dramatically and quickly and you no longer can use your voice, which is the most powerful tool of leadership that you have. So I'm not just trying to keep you from being lonely by saying, use your voice. I'm equipping you with the most powerful tool that you have and encouraging you to use it more than you currently are in the battle against isolation as a business building warrior. The greatest tool you have are those relationships and then having conversations with those people that you've built relationships with. It could be your team. It could be other business owners. That's the power of this community. I've had people ask me over the years, I had someone actually ask me this today, what was your vision for this group when you first started? And it's pretty easy for me to identify now that it's worked. And it certainly has worked to a large degree. I never imagined how well it would work. But I just wanted a community of people that I could talk business with. I felt the, I hadn't studied Hebrew at that point. We're talking, you know, 20 years ago, but I saw the need for a group of people that I could trust, that I could bounce the issues off of, that we could kind of share the load of this lonely journey of e-commerce. And surely they may have faced some things that I'm about to face and they can talk me through it. I was on a mentorship journey looking for mentors, looking for people that I could trust and rely on. And along the way, I was training a whole lot of people who I, I started to discover that a, a good mentor doesn't have to be somebody necessarily who's older than you. It could just be somebody who's more experienced than, than you are in an, an arena that you just haven't spent a lot of time in yet. So you can be mentored by somebody considerably younger than you and taught great lessons because they've spent more time in an arena that you're less familiar with. That's the beauty of this community. That's the value we have to offer. And, and this is all free. You know, everything I'm talking about today is completely free. Our Facebook community is free forming a local mastermind with some other people from the community because you share similar zip codes, that's free. You need to do this. The only thing stopping you from it is you taking the steps to do it. And you're putting your business, I would argue your health, your mental health at risk, and even those other relationships that matter, you know, the spouse, the kids, those other, the family relationships. If you're so stressed out about work and you're fighting all these big battles on your own, you're not in a healthy place in your other relationships. It's draining more energy from you than it should be. And you're paying less attention to those people that matter more than any others. So you see how it starts to fit together. This isn't me just teaching you how to put more money in your pocket. It's me teaching you, hopefully, some of the lessons I've had to learn about how to tackle the biggest monsters that you're going to face in your business. Don't do it alone. We'd all like to think that we're capable of doing a whole lot more than we actually are when it comes right down to it. And even if you are truly capable and you can accomplish a lot and you're one of these driven, focused, healthy, balanced people, you cannot control what life's going to throw at you next. You just can't. Trust me, I learned this lesson very well. 
a lightning hitting your house, a lightning strike hitting your house. This was 2017, destroying every possession you have in a matter of a couple hours, going from life as normal to, guess what? Every physical possession you have is now gone. <laughs> That's a little wrinkle in the business plan, right? You learn very quickly who those people are that step up and help and support and come alongside and how, how sturdy those processes and systems that you've built truly are. Now's the time to be doing that. You know, when the, when the sun is shining, that's when you do the work. It's kind of like the old adage, when you've got a good job, that's when you're looking for another job. <laughs> that's when you're saying what else is out there. Not when things are really bad and now you're desperate, right? It's the kind of like the, the law of the sower, the seed and the sower, right? The, the law of sowing and harvesting, planting and reaping, reaping and sowing, you could say. You know, you've, what you do while the weather is nice determines how comfortable you're going to be when things get bad planning ahead, right? So now's the time to be thinking about these kind of things before things are crazy and difficult, building your network. Let's talk about a couple of things, tying it into the business building warrior theme. I got a couple other notes here. If you've never heard this before, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, when when armies fight, morale is something that's focused on, you know, is, is what's the morale? I think a good example right now in, in the current history, uh, you know, from the headlines, you look at the morale of the Ukrainian army, the morale is high fighting Russia. You know, these are the evil invaders and Russia's coming in and trying to take territory. And the morale on the Russian side is reported to be fairly low. You know, they've got deserters and people intentionally undermining their own equipment and their heart's just not in it. Well, you know, the root of morale, not to get into the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, but let's focus on the morale right? I think it's pretty universally understood that that's kind of the, at least that's the story that I've heard and seen everywhere. From, and I've talked to some Ukrainian friends and I even know people in Russia. And that's kind of, that's kind of where they're at. It's like, yeah, Russia's heart's not really in it. And Ukrainians, they're all in morale. Well, the root of that is moral, right? If you've never heard that connection before, is our current challenge the thing we're trying to do, is there a morality to it? Do we believe in the morality of what we're doing? Morale, that's where we get the root word morale. If the morale is low in the troops, it's probably because they don't believe in the morality of the conquest, what they're trying to accomplish. Is this a moral endeavor? Same thing with us in business. So if you struggle with the morality of what you're doing, the, the products and the the prices you charge for the products and the services that you provide, if you're struggling with that, if your morale is low, that's going to ripple throughout the entire operation. And it's not going to work. It just won't. You'll find creative ways to undermine yourself and self-sabotage yourself. You've got to keep the morale high. What's that mean? Well, you've got to understand that providing a business is a virtuous activity. A profitable business of any kind, as you've heard me say many times, dramatically improves the lives of countless other people, not just your customers, all your suppliers, the delivery people, all the jobs that are created and supported the other businesses. Just by you running your small, profitable business, you are helping keep civilization afloat. And I know that may sound like quite a leap, and some people probably even laugh to have us say those things. But those people who are laughing wouldn't be laughing if all the small businesses shut down. Promise you they wouldn't be. That is the lifeblood of any economy, 
are the business owners, the people who are buying and selling things to people who need those things. Then they need the jobs that come from those things being provided. And that's a biblical concept, by the way. If you've never heard me talk about it, Business Secrets from the Bible is the title of my favorite book outside the Bible itself for business owners. Business Secrets from the Bible by my good friend Daniel Lappin, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, talks about these kinds of things. Talks about not just understanding in your head, but truly having it in your heart that business is virtuous, that providing a service that people pay you for and making a profit, everything that goes into that, you should feel is morally virtuous. And if you don't feel that in your heart, you are not going to succeed. It becomes a challenge when all of your customers are virtual. You're not meeting these people. You're not seeing them face to face. You can't look in their eyes and ask them, hey, what do you think? You know, you're seeing the reviews online maybe, but if you're not connected to your customers, there's that barrier there. Again, this is one of the challenges of e-commerce is you don't quite often see the benefit for the people who have paid you money. You don't see the smile on the, their daughter's face that the gift arrived on time for the birthday party, right? All you saw was the transaction for the toy. Right? You, you know that you paid $10 for it and you sold it for $27. That's all you know. But if you could see the smile on the little girl's face and you could hear the, the mom describe, yes, thank you. I would have paid $60 for that toy. Thank you for selling it to me for $27. I don't care what you paid for it. I needed that because it was the last item checked off on my list that of things that I had to have to make Saturday a perfect occasion for our daughter who's waited so long and worked so hard and that's what she wanted. And you helped make it happen for far less money and far more convenience than I thought I was going to have to encounter to get that gift here, right? You don't have the benefit of hearing and seeing those moments. So you've got to kind of imagine them sometimes, but it's good to do that. You've got to imagine, sometimes look over the, the orders and just imagine the people and the scenarios. You know, the small business owner who really needed that hinge that you just sold so he could finish the job that got him the $5,000 invoice, right? That was the last little piece he needed, that little hinge that you paid $2 for and sold it to him for 12. That's what he needed. Otherwise, why would he have bought it? He didn't buy it to throw it in the trash. Somebody bought it because they needed it, wanted it, and it made their life better and more convenient. Never mind the people who made the thing and all the jobs that has been created along the way as it's moved from point A to point B a hundred times before it finally reached its final customer. So you've got to think that way. And if you have trouble processing business in that way and seeing the, how virtuous it is and the integrity of providing that service, you've got to address that because your morale will be low because you don't see the morality in what you're doing. You'll begin to self-sabotage. It's very easy to do. Perhaps the last thing I think I'm going to hit on on this series, hopefully you're finding this useful. If not, you've paused and you can You'll jump in and you'll hear another great interview episode at some point. But I know I talked to enough people who struggle with these kinds of issues that I think this is going to be useful for, for a good number of, of folks in our community. And it's this, who are you attracting? Your attitude, the way you present yourself, and I hinted at this a little bit and I've talked about it in the past, but I'm going to hit it very specifically now. Your attitude, even on social media, who are you attracting? If we looked at everything that you've posted online in the Facebook group or on your personal page, maybe it's Twitter or wherever else you post and represent yourself online, and we looked at everything that you've put out there, 
are you attracting people who are very angry? Are you attracting people who are just goofy? What are you attracting? Who would resonate? Who would gather around to hear more of what you just said? Who would sit down and go, oh, I got to hear more of that. Okay, you're my kind of people. Yeah, let's do something significant based on that. I like, I can use that. I just, who would circle up and say, that thing that you just posted, man, I want, I need more of that in my life. Like I could sit here for hours and benefit from that. Do people say that about the kind of things you post? Now we're all going to post funny things from time to time. And, you know, who hasn't posted a kitten on a keyboard, right? Like we can't help ourselves sometimes. I get it. But does your body of work, is it characterized by attracting more of the kind of people that you want in your life? Or are you just using it as an opportunity to make sure the world understands how hard your life is and how miserable things are where you're at and how hopeless things probably will be at some point? Do you see the difference? And I don't have any specific people or names in mind as I say these things. We can all self-analyze and you could disagree with me if you'd like. But if we're given a microphone and you get to stand on stage in front of a large group of people, what do you think you should talk about? And maybe you think it's how hard and miserable and rough things are right now and how tragic this person is because they said this about them. And I just can't believe this guy over here, without knowing all the facts, you just go off on people, right? You just shred them publicly. Really? How full is that room going to be the next time that everyone hears, oh, yep, He's stepping up to the microphone again, rush to your seats. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. And this has a lot, a little bit to do. Uh, you can actually attract a really nice audience. I've seen this happen. It's a fickle audience, but I call it the train wreck audience. And in that book that I've talked about, it's one of the sections I'm going to talk about the different kinds of audiences you can attract online. You can be the, the and there's three of them that I've identified that are of that are each of them are of some value, but I would argue one of them is of extremely more valuable than the other two. So the three audiences that I've identified are, one is the train wreck audience. And that is either you're a train wreck and people find it interesting just watching you self-destruct, which obviously is, is painful for you. And it's temporary because in the end you're destroyed. But, or you destroy other people. You know, you talk down about other people. That's a train wreck audience. You know, you hear a rumor and you run with it and you make it just a little bit worse to attract a few more eyeballs. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of our news is just that. It's train wreck audiences. It's like, hey, you better have something more disastrous and awful for me tomorrow or I might, you're going to lose my attention. There's no intimacy there. There's no long-term relationship or accountability. There's no, hey, here's where we're trying to go as a group. Here's the positive place we're trying to reach. Here's the mountain we're climbing together, guys. That's never a theme. It's always like, hey, did you hear what this person did? I can't believe what that person said. This politician, that that famous person, or my life is so miserable, come gather around and feel sorry for me. You know, that kind of train wreck audience, right? That's audience number one. Then audience number two, which most of us aren't capable of doing, and we put people on a pedestal who are capable of it, the entertainers, the comedians, the musicians, you know, the people who self-taught guitar and now they're shredding it on YouTube and everyone just gathers around. And the sad thing about that audience is, you know, you got a, let's say a one in 10,000 chance. I mean, you could be slightly less qualified, just slightly less qualified than somebody who's amazing, hilarious, awesome, or they had better timing or they're better connected. And your audience is virtually zero where theirs just takes off and explodes. And it's kind of, there's almost a random element to it. 
And it's kind of meaningless in the end too, I would argue, because the audience is only interested as long as you're still funny, as long as you're still interesting and entertaining. You've got to constantly come up with new content, right? It's the entertain me audience. And they don't really love you. They love the entertainment value of what you provide. You're funny, you're entertaining. And we even see that in the business arena. We see a lot of gurus and experts who are kind of gurus and experts because they're cutting edge. Oh, they're so authentic. Oh, they just, you know, they make me feel good. At least they make me feel fired up. Well, the next time you hear them speak, if they don't make you feel fired up, you're going to lose interest, right? If they kind of go on a slow streak. That's why I don't rely on that at all around here. If this was just me talking to a microphone every episode, I'm fully aware that this podcast would not be what it is. The fact that most of our episodes have become interviews with successful students that's what makes it so interesting and successful. Episodes like this one today are just me hopefully providing some useful value to those who are on a similar journey trying to to grow and and build a business with a team and make good decisions facing the challenges of e-commerce. So those are the first two kinds of audiences that you can you can gather. The third audience, you might call it a uh, a purpose-driven audience. You know, a cause, it's something that we all believe in, something that we're all in it together. And typically there's, there's not like one core personality needed at the center of that. You don't really need it. It's the cause that is the uniting glue that holds us all together. Very powerful type of community now. We're talking about something that transcends any of the leaders of the group. The relationships are kind of forming organically around something that we all kind of have as a common core belief that's the kind of group you want to be a part of. Don't brag too much if you're part of one of the other two groups that I mentioned, or hopefully, tragically, if you're the leader of a group like that. Uh, now, there's some entertainers worth following, of course, but you know they're going to be a little older, a little slower, and a little less attractive than they are right now in just a few years. Are you still going to care? Probably not. You know, there's nothing sadder than some of these 80 rock stars, you know, the 80s, and they're getting on, they have the YouTube channel now, and there's like eight watchers. You know, these guys were filling arenas 20 years ago, and now nobody cares. You know, I, I'm not interested in that. I don't know. It holds appeal for some, not for me. I'd like to be part of something that's bigger than it is now 20 years from now. And my involvement isn't even necessary. It's a community. And that's what I'd like to think that we've built here. And if you want to emerge as a leader in a community like that, there's some things you're going to have to do. And it's right under your nose. I'm stating the obvious, I would think. But coming in negative or coming in, you know, with a train wreck mentality, like anytime there's bad news, you can't wait to post it. (laughs) Anytime something challenging happens to anybody who's in our arena, you can't wait to be the first person to post that. Like, hey, look, everybody, I knew this was, sky was falling. I knew this was all terrible. I knew that this was never going to work. Look, look, look at this news. And then slowly people come in and like, uh, actually that's a news story from a year and a half ago. And it's happened 18 times over the past 18 years. And it's no big deal. It's all right, dude. It's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. Life is, life is good. Everything's still rocking forward. Yep. Amazon's still here. Yep. It's, uh, it's all good. You can, if you want to make money, you can, here's all the people who are still doing it. You know, to the people who think it can't be done, please kindly step aside so that those of us who are doing it can continue to operate with full faith and confidence. Thank you. It's one of those moments, right? And you kind of see those people. Well, those people don't emerge into leadership roles. They just don't. The negative attitude, the bad news, Nelly always got something negative to say. The sky is always falling. Everything's terrible. I would challenge if you struggle with that, 
I would challenge you really need to be a part of a group of people that are encouraging you and that you can encourage. And we'll always pivot if necessary. That's the beauty of a group of our size. Let's say it becomes necessary to pivot on a major aspect of what we do and teach around here. We've pivoted many times as a community in the past. Because again, that core understanding that's in the center holding all of this together is we want to use the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple streams of income so that we can be home with our families more, live a flexible lifestyle, build businesses that are doing virtuous things, helping us to achieve those goals that we have, volunteer if that's what we want to do, travel if that's what we want to do, start nonprofit organizations that do amazing things if that's what we want to do. But at the core is using this powerful tool of commerce, the internet, in creative ways to launch and grow multiple income streams. We have that in common. So as long as we have that in common, we can do some awesome things. But if you are the one bringing the bad news and the negativity every time, you're not going to rise in leadership. You're not going to be the person that's looked up to. You're not going to be the person that people want to hang out with and learn from and teach new things. That's why these lessons matter. Hopefully that makes sense. I wish you were here so I could kind of interact with you a little bit and ask you, is, is this making sense? Is this useful? That's, I'd love to hear some feedback at this point. But unfortunately, this is a one-way broadcast of a podcast, so I can't do that right now. But I'd like to think that you found this challenging. So now that you're part of a great group, now that you're a part of a group that has a common core and a common mission, heading in a similar direction, now that I've kind of challenged you on how you conduct yourself, how you, maybe you can grow a team, I think it's probably time to start to wrap this episode up. I challenged myself, just so you know, as I was making this episode, thinking through this. If it feels like it was kind of conversational and loosely outlined, yeah, it was. I've got my notes here on a three by five card, the points that I wanted to make, a couple of examples that I wanted to use. But I know that when I talk to groups of people from this community who are doing the stuff that we teach around here, uh, there's a lot of common themes that pop up. And, and one of them is how isolating this business can be and the challenges of growing a team and the challenges of, of automating and staying in touch with the team that's spread out all over the world and bringing all these pieces together. Uh, you're on a leadership journey and that's the challenges you're feeling and that's the stuff you're facing. So to the degree that uh, I can be useful to you as a guy who's been doing that for 20 years, I just wanted to spend some time talking about it. If there's any aspect of what I talked about today that you're thinking to yourself, I, I could have or should have gone a little deeper or I wasn't clear on, or maybe I misspoke and I didn't catch myself, please shoot me a line, help me clarify, and we'll readdress any of these topics. I'm getting some decent feedback on the other two episodes that I've done on these virtual leadership challenges. And I've just kind of opened up my heart, talked from experience and shared what I know. I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said. But that's up to you at this point. If you'd like to hear me talk more about this, clarify any of the points that I made, I'll do another one. But I'm leaving it up to the listeners at this point to, to send me your thoughts and feedback. So if you've listened this far, your valuable feedback would be very appreciated. You can email me, jimcockram at gmail, or you can go to silentjim.com and send us a note there. We always love the feedback from listeners. And if you could do me a little favor, if you're listening on iTunes especially, click the little uh, bookmark or the subscribe button, whatever your iTunes page looks like on the on your app, on your phone. If uh, you click that little bookmark, it means you're going to get our updates automatically. It means you're subscribed to our show. Leave us a feedback too. 
a review. We always love those five-star reviews popping through. We get it. We've got several of those. I can't believe with all the 800 coming up on 900 reviews, we're at 4.9 out of five stars. That's pretty awesome. Certainly appreciate that. We'll have more great episodes, interview episodes with you, with other guests very soon for you. So I'm going to wrap this one up, but God bless you, business building warrior. Thanks for listening to this show, loaning me some of your most valuable asset, your time. I truly appreciate it. I'm grateful every day to be in a role of serving this incredible community that you're a huge part of. And so let's wrap it up right there. I'll have another episode for you very, very soon. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's episode. Before I let you go, I've got a very special guest I want to spend a couple minutes with. It's Jeff Schick from jeffschick.com. He's our favorite Amazon legal expert, and he's going to be bringing us some tips from time to time. What have you got for us today, Jeff? All right. Well, Jim, I've got a uh, bundle topic of interest. So one of the most common questions people ask me is about bundles. And I think that they're a great resource for sellers who want to get into their own branded listings, have that opportunity to differentiate themselves from the competition. And so you know, what we really want to just talk about is kind of you know the idea of bundles done right and kind of what does that look like. And so well, I know Jim and I will talk about some a couple of different things, but today's topic is going to be really focused on, you know, which bundle, you know, what what would be an acceptable bundle when you think about it from an Amazon perspective. And of course, you're talking about picking brands that we'd all recognize and and bundling them okay. together, and we want to be able to do it in such a way that that brand not only is protected from other sellers maybe jumping on our listing, but Amazon doesn't have a problem with it at some point, or the brand owners themselves, if we're mixing, say, candy bars or cleaning supplies together, that the brand owners right. don't have a problem with it. So how can we play safe in that in that fun arena? So it's a great question. So I'm going to you know, pick on a brand today. And I this and I'll, full disclosure, I've never dealt with a case with this brand. So this is purely just hypothetical. Right. They may file IP complaints. They may not. I don't know. I've never seen one from them. But today, let's talk. pretend that the brand in question is Windex because everyone knows what Windex is, I would assume. So you know, if we're going to make a bundle and we're selling Windex, let's say maybe it's Windex wipes and Windex in a bottle. You know, That's a good bundle by itself. But how do we make it go from just a you know, branded bundle because that would be a branded bundle of branded Windex? And how do we make it you know, Jeff's cleaning supply bundle? Um, and so that's what I wanted to talk about today is how do we do that safely? So what what would you put in that bundle to do it safely? So I think really the key is, is coming up with a third element that makes it unique. First off, you get the added benefit because if someone sees like, oh, I've got clean, you know, Windex wipes, I've got Windex, um, you know, spray, and then you come up with a unique item that complements those. That makes it different than everything else on the market. So like in my mind right now, I'm thinking, you know, Maybe it's a monogram microfiber towel um, that just you know has a really cool logo on it, and that you've come up with, and that that's your brand. You know, that's your trademark logo, that's your microfiber towel, and now you're selling it with something people need when they're cleaning windows with the Windex. So you've got your you've got your window cleaning towel, you've got your window cleaner, and you've got you know different types that people can choose from. And, and it needs to be an item that you might sell separately that has some perceived or you know some actual value to it. It can't just be a little uh, three by five note card that says Jeff's cleaning kit. You <laughs> exactly. Right on that no, with a pin, right? You don't suggest that. I don't suggest that. No, I, do, I suggest the the branded, you know, the towel that you know something of value, and it doesn't have to be a towel. I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, what else goes with like a pack of supplies? a pack of branded sponges, maybe, or you know, in a, in a unique yeah. shape, maybe, right? Absolutely. Um, it could even be a, a a mat. You know, like I know when I 
clean, you know, the, uh, the, the sliding glass door that oftentimes Windex comes running down. And so if I had like a mat on the floor, that would be helpful. Right. You know, it's something that, that can be want. perceived as adding value to the bundle that you can customize and personalize that can't be duplicated maybe by another seller. Now you've got an ASIN that belongs only to you and you're unlikely to catch any heat from the brand owners or from Amazon. Correct. Because at the end of the day, what we want to do is stay on the right side of the bundles. You know, keep Amazon happy, keep the brands happy. And you're, when you've got these really great products that complement it, everyone walks away happy. Exactly. And what's the worst case? And I, I didn't set you up ahead of time for this, but you know, we're, gonna, we're kind of flying through this topic today. But yeah. what's the worst case scenario if I do set up a bundle the wrong way? Or maybe I've got some that are set up incorrectly. Should I be losing sleep at night over this? What's, what have you seen play out? Um, we've seen a variety of situations with bundles. So it really comes down to Amazon. It comes down to the brand. I wouldn't lose sleep over it. But what I might consider is, you know, making changes. You know, the beauty about Amazon is that you're able to, you know, if it's your branded listing, you're able to pivot and you're able to make changes. And so the version that you ship in next week is not, doesn't have to be the version you shipped in last week. So, you know, let that sink in. You know, if last week you shipped in a bundle and it didn't have the towel, you know, maybe next week you decide that you're going to change it up, and and now you're going to start selling the bundle with the towel. So, you know, we we live in an era where it's not like we have a thousand stores we have to ship. You know, new display cases to. We can make changes to product detail pages on the fly, and and, and pivot and really see what works and see what doesn't. Beautiful. Well, anything else you can teach us about uh, bundles before we end this short segment today? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, Jim, fire away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all. I mean, that clears up in my mind, you know, yeah. because some of the things that we've seen, for example, are people put in like, you know, a little card or, you know, a little simply printed card or something that, that doesn't necessarily add value to the bundle. But you've taught us a good lesson to say it needs to be that item that you add in needs to be something that brings value to the bundle. Absolutely. And, yeah. It brings value. Think about it from a consumer perspective. What would you, the consumer, buy? And really, that helps avoid all sorts of issues because at the end of the day, if you've got that bundle with a note card, and let's say you're selling a five dollar bottle of Windex and a five dollar bottle, uh, you know, pack of Windex wipes, and then you've got that note card, well, by Amazon standards, you should be selling that bundle for ten dollars and fifty cents. Not really clearing a whole lot of profit there, but if you're selling it with that microfiber towel, well, now suddenly you can say, well, that microfiber towel is worth five dollars too. Now we're selling it for fifteen dollars much more profit margin to play with, more money to spend on PPC and everything else. Awesome tip. And we've got training in the Proven Amazon course on how to build bundles. So if you're ready to jump into that arena, beautiful. Well, I appreciate spending some time with you today, man. Thanks for making an appearance here. We're going to do this frequently, hopefully once a week or so for for the foreseeable future. So this is a great first segment. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.